Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Tonight. We're talking football. We're talking Raging Cajun football with former Raging Cajun Chris Lano, former color analyst on the uh, on the uh, Louisiana Radio Network broadcast. Also, how are you tonight, Chris? I'm doing well. My son just had his first flag football game, so we finally began the next generation of football in the household. Very nice. Hopefully he's more athletic than you. I mean, what I meant to say was hopefully he has your athletic skills. Well, that's not hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, let's go ahead. Yeah, and no, it was right. a good time. You know, he pulled, he, he actually, well, before we, before we begin, I, yeah. I wanted to share earlier when my brother was asking me about the game, when we took a little time so I can respond back to him, I was telling him on the phone that he pulled the complete Bo Jackson Tecmo Super Bowl by running near the end zone and doing a complete 180 and running about 20 yards back and then turning around back and running towards the end zone. He, he claims he didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to run, but, you know, the fast little sucker was able to get it back near the end zone, so good for him. But it, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Hey, man, anytime you can throw in a Tech Mobile re- reference, it's all good with me. So That's what it looked like. It looked like Techno on the football field. I tell you, I mean that that defense wasn't that great for the Raiders, but when you have, or the I, I think it was the quarterback play that wasn't very good, but you had uh, you had Brown, was it uh, who Brown from Notre Dame on the as a receiver, Tim Brown, Tim Brown, uh, Heisman Trophy winner. You had Marcus Allen, and the mm-hmm. backfield with Bo Jackson also, and uh, also also Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, that team was pretty badass. It was pretty nice. It was a lot of fun. All right, my brother. Let's talk some football. Let's let's start out. Uh, at, at, let's start out on the offense. Let's start out with the quarterback. Your 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 analysis of what happened at the quarterback position this week. Well, we were told going into the game we were gonna we were going to see both quarterbacks come in, and um, I think there was a script for both guys. I think the first twelve plays or so for Chandler Fields was pretty much scripted going in. Uh, pretty methodical and I I thought both did a very good job Um, I thought uh, they both had some ups and downs they both made some rookie mistakes that can easily be corrected going into the next week and going along further into the season as they gain that experience underneath their belt but you know talking about Chandler Fields um, he hit he's got some good zip on the football I think he has pretty good pocket awareness I don't think he had a whole lot of help with the run game early on. In um, early as things were going early on, I think the offense had to rely more on his arm talent in the pocket of moving the ball down the field. Uh, I like how Chandler was able to utilize tight end in between the hash marks. I thought that was pretty big throughout the course of the game. I mean, I'm thinking eight catches amongst the tight ends, and if, if you think about it, that's almost like a half a season worth of stats for the tight ends of the previous several years. So that was really good to see. Uh, one thing about uh, Woldridge, and I, I got to say, I've been, I haven't really heard anybody mention this post game, whether it was Mike on the post game presser or even Mike on Monday uh, on his radio shows and, and just others affiliated with UL football, no one really made the comment of Waldron being the brunt of two really big drop passes. And, and that, I mean, that happened early. And one of them, I believe, came on his first pass 
um, as a UL quarterback in his first series. I'm not, I have to go back and look at the film. I'm not really too sure, but you complete those passes. I mean, and those passes were right in the hands of the receiver. And I believe it might've been the same receiver both times as John Stevens Jr. And if I'm wrong, um, I apologize, but I know Stevens was one of them. I mean, that changes the entire trajectory of the, of the game and of the series. And I think that really put, um, I, I think that really put into a wrinkle in Wilders, whether it was his confidence going forward or just how the remaining series that he was a part of was going to play out. And I, I, again, I didn't really hear anybody talk too much about that. I, I, there were two really good passes. And I think other than that, he did well. There's still a, a lot of corrections that need to be made for both guys. But, you know, you saw some promise. You saw some upside. And I think now they were able to get a few cobwebs, shake a few cobwebs out from one football game. I think uh, I expect more going into the second week against Eastern Michigan. I think the first passage you're talking about was to Jefferson. That was might have been to Jefferson. I know the second for sure was to Stevens. Correct. Yeah, he turned and quite honestly was looking upfield and and honestly would have probably would have had a touchdown. He saw he saw everything there and it was just like whoop pop dropped. So oh, there was daylight in front of him. There was a lot of room in front of him, and I think. Um, you know, Wiltridge, he led him on pretty well. And again, it, it just changes the trajectory of the game by dropping those passes. Those were crucial passes. And, you know, you look at a quarterback like Wildridge, you know, he wasn't named the starter. He might have been down on himself at the very end of camp because of that. And he's walking into this game with a lot to prove. You know, that, that can really be um, just something that as far as emotionally, it can really hang with them for the for the rest of the game, especially after the second drop pass. Um, and, and no one really brought it up. No one really shined a light on it. But that's just something I wanted to point out. I, I just think that uh, we need to be better at the wide receiver position. We also had a fumble. Luckily enough, we were able to recover. And I think it was Dalen Cambry in the first quarter when, were, when the cages were moving from right to left. You know, mistakes like that, you know, against a better football team in a closer game in a more hostile environment, if you're on the road, you know, those can be costly and you got to be better. Let me ask you this. So you, you talked about Woolrich and, and I agree with everything you're saying there. Uh, and I think it does change the game a little bit. But do you think if we don't return the, the he was supposed to come in that third series, I believe it was. And but on that third series, Eric Garrar runs it back to the house. So do you think it's less pressure on him with a little bit more time as opposed to coming in with, with that, the half coming to an end? you understand what I'm saying? There? Well, I mean, it could be, but, you know, like what I'm saying, I think both quarterbacks are running uh, by a script, and I think they stuck to that script. And, you know, one thing that Michael, um, you know, I, I think a, a big reason why he, he says pregame or before so, leading up to the week that both quarterbacks were going to play. And it's for the matter that if one quarterback, let's just say Chandler, he is starting. And if he were to get into a rhythm and he's doing well, his first couple of possessions, well, by saying during the week that Wilders is going to come in, it protects you in a way um, from that. And you, 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 therefore you're going to play him regardless. Now, as far as the momentum swing with Garrett coming, uh, returning that punt back for a touchdown. I mean, probably so, maybe so. Um, I mean, trust me, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want him not to run it back, but I'm just saying that, you know, you, you know how a two minute drive is at the end of the half or the end of the quarter. 
and it wasn't two minutes. I realized that oh, yeah. we had a lot more time on the clock, but at the same time, I, I just think it, it gives them a different, but at the same time, we saw what he was able to do under a little pressure there, meaning the, the clock counting down, not necessarily running out. Right. So. Right. No, definitely. It gives you some cushion. It gives you a little bit more confidence and, um, you know, you're not as, I guess, tight to make a mistake at the position. Uh, you could just sit that back there and let it loose. You have a little bit more comfortability with the score, you know, uh, thanks to Eric Garrett returning the punt. And uh, also defensively, I mean, they were getting a lot of th uh, three, three and outs. And I think um, the offense was feeling pretty good about that as well. You know, I never, at no point in the game, I thought the cages were going to lose the ball game at zero point. I think a lot of fans share that same sentiment as well. I, I'm not sure if that, if that permeated uh, down to the players, but, you know, I, I thought quarterbacks, both quarterbacks, I, I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw week one against Southeastern. I think, um, I, I think Wildridge is probably going to come in in that same third series situation, a lot like we saw four or five years ago with Andre Nunez and Levi Lewis. But I think at some point, Mike really wants to settle in on his one quarterback. And I, But I think right now at this point, he owes it to both guys as they both are a little bit inexperienced to see exactly what he has uh, going forward in the year. Absolutely. You don't want whoever it is to get hurt and the other guy not have any playing time and is thrown in the middle of the game saying, here, it's your turn to, you know, to, to, to run with it. So. And the schedule early on, it bodes well for that. Now, I'm not going to poo-poo anything against Eastern Michigan. I think they're very capable. I think they've had, although they may have had their struggles in the past, but I think in their most recent years, they've had, they're starting to build on a little bit of success. Uh, they're starting to buy into what the new coaching staff is trying to deliver with the team as far as uh, their workout regimes, uh, more of a military-style workout regimes, like all that old Rusty Witt style uh, that we used to see here at Louisiana. And, um, you know, I, I think, you know, you know, this team is going to have a lot of confidence coming in. Very familiar with KG Field. I believe I played him uh, once and uh, during my time. And then we also played him again in between at some point. So, yeah, a little bit of a familiar foe. But, uh, again, I, I think Mike, once he really knows what he has between both guys, he, I think – Personally, he just wants to settle in with his one quarterback for the course of the year. But again, it's early on. I think he thinks he can kind of play uh, with play both guys um, for the time being. But um, you know, you just you know when your when, when your guy is up there going in to start the game and, and preparing week in and week out, he is your guy, and the other guy is just going to be there to watch and just also just understand at the same time you're only one play away. And that's going to be the role of the backup quarterback for the most part of the season. Absolutely. Let's move on to the running backs. What was your thought on the play there? I thought um, I thought we were a little bit of slow at times, but at the, at the same time, it was nice to see uh, Terrence Williams with, with 10 carries for 61 yards. Uh, Chris Smith is going to be Chris Smith. But I, I still like – I, I want to see Jacob Cabote get more touches. Am I wrong? I'd like to see him get more touches. He's more of a north and south runner. I think there was a lot of oohs and ahs when Kabodi got that first carry, and he just ran right up the A gap, just right up the middle, uh, just hard nose. It looked like the, it looked it looked a lot like the old Cecil Collins days with LSU, just just lowering his head and just driving right up the middle, just lowering his shoulder and just laying a boom. And I, it it looked a lot like that, uh, just a hard 
knows runner, doesn't really like to juke a lot. Um, I, I think he is going to be used on special occasions uh, when you want to get that hard uh, one yard or two, a couple yards or you, you feel you, you sense a little weakness in the presence in the middle of that defense and you just want to ram it right up the middle. You can use a big body like a Bodie. I think Terrence Williams, uh, from what I saw now, again, I'm, I'm only basing this off of one game that I've seen where in comparison to where I've seen very many with Chris Smith. But I'm going to be a little bold here. And I think Terrence Williams is your first down back. I think he is your first down back in the remainder of the season. I, I look at Chris Smith, and I looked at it like this last year with Chris Smith and, and the other two running backs that we had. He's more of a situational running back. And I, I, I think that's I – th- I don't think he has been utilized correctly the last two seasons. Now, that's just my personal opinion. And I'm not there to practice every day. Uh, no, so but I, that's I what you're that, here. That's why we got eyes, you on the show. But my, yeah, but my eyes, they don't lie to me. I, and I've seen – what, what is it, the, the better part of 15 games now with Chris Smith as the starter, as the one coming out in the opening possession? I, I, I just see Terrence Williams as your lead back, as the one that comes out on first down. Chris Smith is that wrinkle that comes in on second, maybe uh, on third down, uh, more of a runner that, that utilizes a passing threat coming out of the backfield. But just from what I saw, and, and again, I'm only playing uh, based on I'm, – I'm, I am only – going to predict from what I saw only in one week. We have a lot of ball game, ball left, but I didn't see Chris Smith as the hard runner as I've seen in recent history. But Terrence Williams, you know, he looks like somebody who's coming in with a chip in his shoulder, you know, because no talk has been made about him all offseason. No one's mentioned his name. And I, I think he is trying to really deliver some kind of presence in mind with the fan base and he did it for me early on, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. Uh, you mentioned Kabodi. To me, it's Williams going into week two. Yeah, I just like Kabodi's uh, running style, and and that, and you know, like you said, that that bowling ball that's that's coming through the middle, and just uh, I think he's got an opportunity to break something. I think as big as he is, he's still got some. He can. He's got some speed there as well. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. And, um, you know, he was a running back coming out of a and It was the loaded backfield at the time when he was with the Aggies. That's why he transferred. I know there's always a question, why did somebody transfer? Well, that backfield was loaded. And those guys that were out in front of him, you know, they're all in the NFL now with a couple that are still left. So there's no flaws with Cabote. No, no, don't make any uh, if ands about it. Uh, there was, yes, there's a reason, there's a reason why he left the program, but you know, there was a better opportunity for him here, and there's no question about it. And I, I think uh, with his talents, it's going to fit nicely with this new three-headed monster that we have going forward. I agree. I think we do have three good backs there that are going to play, that are going to show some play. Let's move on to uh, – well, before we move on to the receivers, the, the guys up front really have to give both the quarterback and the uh, running back some time. What did you think about the offensive line play? Overall, I give him a C minus. Um, I, I think at times there was a lot of immediate pressure into the backfield in the face of Chandler Fields, as well as Ben Waldridge, uh, but mostly Fields. I thought uh, he looked like he was uh, on skis for the most part um, when he was trying to settle in the pocket. Um, so I, I think, um, I, but then again, I think with the offensive line, you're going to see vast improvements from week one to week two, especially with a young group. 
So I don't put as much stock going into it. I think a lot of it has to do with communication, not necessarily physicality, which is always, that's always a good problem to have because it's very correctable. Um, Landon Burton is one who is hurt right now on the offensive line. That's going to be a big boost for the, for the unit. Once he gets back and healthy, obviously he is out with an injury, but overall, you know, I, I give the unit a C minus. They did, they did well. They did fine. But I think it gets bigger, more ferocious defensive fronts. I think it's going to um, cause an issue with this offensive line. But then again, you know, this is where the, the tight ends and the wide receivers, mostly the tight ends, who with their blocking ability and Johnny Lumpkin and Pierce Meagle, I think they did a very well. I think they did very well coming in on pass protection to, to help out with the, with both tackles. Uh, whenever they needed any kind of chip block action to give Chandler Fields and Wolders a little bit more time in the pocket. And, you know, you, very experienced unit like like we have in a tight end position, I think it's going to cover up a lot of wrinkles along that offensive front. Now, I think uh, I, I think with, with um, Dirty Dave, you know, Dave Hudson at the center position, I thought he did well. I think he managed the offensive line pretty well as a more of a cerebral position as a center. Uh, he made one mistake with the offsides penalty on fourth down. Just from listening to Mike Desimo on the crucial fourth down play, uh, from my understanding, he was not supposed to hike it at all. But, Correct. you know, he hikes, and which I like to get a better explanation of that because I don't understand quite why it, that is the reason so because it moves the chains. It expands the drive by hiking the football and getting a free play. I think from the quarterback position, you have to do better on executing the play, rolling out of the pocket, getting out of the pocket and throwing it out of bounds, not from the pocket where Chandler was. I think he just kind of panicked where the inexperience really showed and threw it out of bounds. And that was one right when it happened. I knew it. I, yeah. I, I looked at, I looked at my buddy to the right. I said, oh, you can't do that. You cannot do that. We got the offsides penalty, but watch this. I guarantee they're going to negate the penalties. And exactly what happened. That's exactly, and it was the right call. And I heard Mike even confirm that on his um, presser on Monday. It was the right call. There's no question about it. And, but then again, that gets better with experience. Um, you know, those those are wrinkles that are very easily correctable uh, as you get more snaps in. But uh, offensive line, I, I'd like to see. I would like to have seen what they have done this week in practice. Um, I think just again, just to kind of reiterate i think they're going to make their biggest corrections from week one to week two because they're a young unit they're very talented and uh, i think overall they're going to get the job done well i was going to ask you that you brought up the young a couple times i mean to me they're young uh they're inexperienced and i think a lot of people forget that we've got four or five guys four guys right now and one that's playing on a, a florida team that's a preseason all-america that are either playing in the nfl or a preseason all-american this year how much of that is, uh, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think they grow, and I think they do make a lot of adjustments this week. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you're asking me about an offensive unit where we've been spoiled the last three or four years. Five. You look at that 2019 offensive line. I mean, it's on paper, personnel-wise, it's the greatest offensive line in Cajun history. You get, you're talking about four guys that eventually – would have a start under their belt in an NFL roster with Osiris Torrance, Max Mitchell, Kevin Dotson, who's slated to start. I looked at the depth chart for the Steelers. He is starting at left guard coming this, this Sunday and Robert Hunt. We don't even need to talk about Robert Hunt. I, I, 
I deemed him just talking to Wingardner and others, just someone who's followed the Sun Belt for many years. I thought he was the most dominant interior presence along both fronts, offense and defense, offense and defense since DeMarcus Ware, and he was that good. So again, we've been spoiled at this line. So now you know you don't see really the NFL bodies going into last Saturday when you when you really examine the front. So it's just more of you know, but a, a bunch of nitty gritty guys that just want to get after it and just want to just play in the mud, play in the dirt, and just really just bang heads and just get after the, the opposition. But at the same time, have good communication and just create that cohesiveness al- along that front. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take all five guys um, all at one time. It's going to have to be one impeccable unit. And, uh, you know, I, I, I trust them. I, 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 you know, again, they're young, but they've been, it seems like they've been in this program for many years. Uh, the inexperience is there, but that's only going to get better as uh, we, we, we move along week to week. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the wide receivers. Uh, I, I guess the biggest surprise to me, and it wasn't like I, I know several balls were thrown his way, but Peter LeBlanc didn't catch a pass. Shocking. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, but let's go back to the eight catches by tight ends. That that's been uh, it's been a, like like you said a half season or even sometimes a full season for tight ends. Well, two touch minutes. two touchdowns that is almost a half season right there. Yeah, yeah. and there's no question about it. it. It's so important because tight ends, especially somebody like Johnny Lumpkin, who let, let, let me say this about Johnny Lumpkin before I go any further. You know, I'm thinking about when I'm watching the game on Saturday, I'm thinking about all the guys. I mean, there are some players now from Billy's first year until now, they're still there. They're in their fifth year. and But not only they're there, they've been playing all five years. So I'm not only thinking about the players who played for all five years, but those who just kind of stuck around for so long that I've covered. And to me, Johnny Lumpkin, I think from the beginning till now, is probably the most improved because – Four years ago, you could not really rely on him catching a ball down the field. He wasn't much of a passing threat, a receiving threat. He was more of a blocking tight end. He didn't utilize any skills. And, you know, as far as catching the football, and I first noticed this about four weeks ago at the scrimmage indoors when I was able to put my eyes through and just kind of get a glimpse of what we were going to be like. I saw him run down the sidelines after uh, getting a little a little out route for about six yards and just taking it up the sidelines. I'm thinking, oh, man, there's something there. You know, we, we may have something right here. And he showed it. He showed it again on Saturday where it counts, where the lights are on. So, you know, credit to Johnny Lumpkin. And as now what I was going to say earlier, it changes the – as far as the defensive personnel when you have a tight end like Johnny Lumpkin where – Sometimes you can't, you know, you got to bring in a bigger linebacker. You can't really use a smaller safety to come into the box and cover one on one because he's going to catch anything over the head just in the middle of the hashes. So, you know, and not only that, you know, when you see a Johnny Lumpkin come in and you see him at the line, the three point stance, it can really confuse the defense whether it's going to be a run play or a pass play because he could just take off towards the hat, you know, down the hashes into the end zone. And there you are. He's, he's your threat. And he can keep those linebackers peeking inside. So that's why it's so important and it's so big to have a tight end threat such as Johnny Lumpkin. And to me, that I think that's the to me, that was the biggest takeaway coming out of Saturday. It was the that was the most promising thing that I witnessed 
coming out of Saturday's football game, just the kind of threat he has now emerged into and is going to pay dividends big time, especially in the red zone. All right, then lastly, before we move on to the defense, or before we take our break and then move on to the defense, what do you want to see the team do defensive, offensively different this weekend against Eastern Michigan? Well, I, I want to see us do a little bit better on first down running the football. I think sometimes it got us in a little bit of a funk. Um, I, I want to be able to utilize the play-action pass. I think at times uh, when, you know, you need that guaranteed yard, when things are just kind of mono mono just kind of man up, uh, it's just me versus you. You're trying to fight to get that one yard. I think we struggle at times. Uh, so I, I want to see that. I want to see us get a little bit more of an interior push, you know, just kind of wrapping everything I'm, I'm saying. I, I guess, you know, you want to snowball into this one uh, one hopeful measurement, and that is get get an interior push with your line, which with, with both the guards and your centers, uh, just trying to move that tackle uh, down the line of scrimmage, just trying to get more of a push to, to, to get that running game going. You didn't really see much of that on Saturday. And um, I, I think that's something that they put a lot of emphasis on going into next week. All right. You've been listening to We're Talking with uh, Craig Malawsaw and Forger, former Raging Cajun football analyst Chris Lano. We'll be back after this brief message. If I can find the stop button. <laughs> Welcome back into We're Talking. We're talking football with former Cajun football analyst Chris Lano. But before we get back to Chris, uh, we're here with uh, Arthur Fonzarelli. I'm sorry, Art Garrett from Acadia Religious Shop. Did I say it right that time? Close. Dang. <laughs> Tell us where you're from, Art. <laughs> All right. I, I am the owner of the Acadian Religious uh, Store in the South College Shopping Center. Uh, we're getting ready to celebrate 60 years of business. Uh, my mother and father opened that place when I was six years old. So, uh, but yeah, we've uh, been in the South College Center for all that time. We carry a great selection of of uh, gift items for men, women, children, and all of sorts. Uh, Christmas is, believe it or not, it's it's right around the corner in the in the gift world. And I encourage our listeners to shop early because uh, that that supply chain thing is a real thing. So uh, come out and see us. Uh, visit us online at acadianreligious.com proud sponsor of we're talking thank you art and i'm sorry for the arthur fonsarelli reference i there. do have a question oh i'm sorry well, do, we're not done yet you get your question at the end right, of the episode well, I, I, we'll be back to art later on in the episode you see there you give the man a little bit of a uh, thing and he wants to take over the podcast so i had to cut his mic off all right chris let's talk defense defensive line talk to me man lots of uh what was your thoughts there? How did the, well, all right, before we start, how did the defense play overall? Okay, overall, I give the defense a B plus, B plus, or, or maybe just a flat A maybe an A minus, A minus. Really? I, I, because I mean, I'm just asking. The the one thing I saw about the defense, and you can't coach this, you can only recruit it, is. We're fast, and we flew around. We flew around the field, and I think they gang tackled. And I think a lot of it has to do with week one. You know, you'd be hitting on your 
on your own buddies, your own teammates for so long, for so many weeks. You finally get to go and do it to somebody else. And uh, you're anxious. You're, you're, you're anxious to do that. And I think that uh, plays a big part into it. But, you know, the one thing I really wanted to see is I just wanted to see our defense fly around. And they did that. I think they were very vanilla with the play calling. And I think that was uh, by design with Lamar Morgan. So and I don't put a lot of emphasis into that. I don't. And uh, I think, uh, you know, you look at a first-year coordinator like Lamar, who's never done this before, you know, he's only going to get better. So, overall, I thought it was very good. I thought the the, the quarterback, uh, Johnson, for South Alabama, you know, I, I don't think he was the best thrower that we've seen. And, excuse me one second, I have a sneeze coming, but I think it's going to go away. There we go. I apologize, but – the one thing about Johnson, I, I think uh, the defense was starting to feel it for a little while, was whenever he'd take off down the field, you know, he, he would lower his shoulder and he would fall forward. And he was delivering some hits. And um, I think he knew that's what he had to do to maybe not win a football game, but at least stay in it. So, you know, he, he was, um, you know, he was aggressive. He was aggressive taking off down the football field, using his legs. And I think defensively, we did a good job of, containing Johnson in the pocket when we had to. But again, I thought corners played well. I thought safeties did a good job covering on the back end. Linebackers was a little bit of a surprise for me. I thought we played very well from the linebacker position. The only one thing I would say, just the only um, the only uh, smidgen of downfall, I would only have to admit to you, and I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's something that can, will get better as uh, games go on, and, and I think a lot of it had to do with the lack of pressure that we brought. We we simply more so just used a four-man pressure getting after him, but I don't think we got a whole lot of pressure with just our four guys up front of really um, trying but, to disrupt Johnson in the backfield. But uh, it was it was okay, but I think I, I'd like to see a little bit more of our guys on edge just trying to get him to bounce back up in the pocket. But uh, overall, I, th- I thought it was a very good performance. I was very pleased. I, I like the fact, you know, guys like Cam Podesco, Cortland Flowers flying all over the field, tackles here, there, everywhere, you know, on the line, uh, down the field, Chris Mon- Moncrief, Andre Jones, you know, all of them, Eric Garrett. I don't think we have, I mean, and Trey Amos didn't get to play. He is listed on the uh, on the two deep this weekend as a, as a starting quarterback, which I think is good. He's fun to watch. He's going to be a, a great player, in my opinion. We'll play on Sundays, but no, let, let me correct you right there. He will be out this week. Okay. Well, he'll be out. I, I have, before we did the podcast, I happened to look a little bit into that and it was Kevin foot who reported that he is going to be out for this weekend going against, going against Eastern Michigan. Okay. He's listed so, on the two deep, but that's fine for, for us. Yeah. I, I think uh, they, they're, they're on the, on the two deep, but uh, I think with a little bit of inside knowledge, uh, Kevin, was able to report that he will be out okay and and i know they had uh des had his press conference uh this afternoon so that that makes sense so but i i still like the way i i think we've got some of the best defensive backs in the league no there's no question i think it's going to have to be that way i i think defensively this unit you know collectively is going to have to carry this team at least for the first several weeks. And I think they have the ability to do that. Um, again, you know, when speed kills. And when you have speed, you can do a lot of things on defense. And I think Lamar 
is going to put his uh, kids, his players in the best position to make plays. And I think what he did on Saturday, he just allowed his guys to just run around. Again, you know, I think we both agree it was very vanilla. We, we played a lot of zone coverage. Uh, Eric Garrett did his thing with the one-on-one man-to-man uh, -man on his side of, of the football, and he was just an absolute shutdown nightmare against the opposing wide receiver. You're going to see a lot more of that. Uh, but overall, I was very pleased. There were times when the defense would bend, but they never broke, and you can live with that. You, you can live with the defense like that. Absolutely. I, th I thought uh, the vanilla was by design, and it was just one of those things that we didn't have to show everything this game. So why do it, in my opinion? I agree. Um, anything else about the defense before we move on to special teams? No, not a whole lot more to talk about that. Uh, just, I, I guess it was more just on the offensive side of the football where we had the questions going in. Exactly. And now we're going to see more of just how on the offensive side of the football, the improvements and what they did as far as the adjustments going into the second week. And I think that's what everyone's going to be on the edge of their seats, really just kind of trying to get a glimpse of, of just what's, you know, are we going to see a lot more of what we saw last week? Or are we going to see improvements? Are we going to see better play calling? Which, you know, everybody from top to bottom, from the coaching staff to the players, you know, everybody can improve, you know, in seven days. And I think uh, hopefully that will happen. And uh, defensively, we, we knew what we had coming in and, and we were not disappointed, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, Eric Guerra, talking special teams now with, with Chris Lano, former uh, Raging Cajun football analyst. Uh, Eric Guerra, I mean, does what Eric Guerra does. I mean, he's, he's just he, – he catches the ball on the punt return and just it takes off. I'd like to see him on the kickoffs too. Him and Chris Smith back there together. What's your thoughts there? Well, I think Chris Smith, I think with the lack of running back depth that we had coming in, now maybe in, we know a little bit more after week one, but we talked about this, you and I, yeah. on the show last week. You know, we want to see a little bit more of Eric Garrett and Chris Smith just for that simple reason. We, we want to keep Chris Smith healthy as much as we can because, you know, and especially teams play you know you got guys running full speed at him in a different direction where Chris Smith is running full speed up ahead so that can create a lot of impact and that can cause a lot of injury and that's just that is an asset you don't want to lose on special teams especially when you have somebody like Eric Garrett who can do the job and do it just as well as anybody else in the country so you may want to see Smith I, me personally I want to see I want to just keep seeing Garrett just keep let, uh, giving the ball to Garrett uh in a return game um and uh you know just Again, when he was able to split both gunners once he received that catch, you know, everyone understands they just knew that he was going to the house. You know, once he can make that first couple guys miss, uh, that's it. You know, that, that's all she wrote. And it just kind of opened up in his words as the deep red sea. And that's what it looked like. And uh, it was good to watch him communicate with his blockers as he was running. That just shows the experience that he's had, that he has. He was able to point out, you got this guy, get this guy, you know, create this lane right here. And that, that's all I need. And, you know, I, I think the the players on the special teams unit that are blocking for him, that feeds into them and they build more confidence and they want to get a little bit more aggressive because they know what kind of special play it can and the kind of impact a play like that can make in a, in a game. So it's a game changer. It's definitely a game changer. And it's going to have to be one of our assets going forward to have big time success. Absolutely. I think we saw that two years ago uh, against Iowa State in the opening game of the season. 
a big impact and gave the Cajuns a lot of uh, confidence moving forward. Um, all right. So no doubt at, about it. No doubt about it. At, at, on the, on the, the, the punt return for the touchdown, was there a block in the back there? At the, at the, at the point of where, right at where he caught the ball. Did you happen to see that? I didn't see it. Okay. I didn't see it. And uh, it's not something that was uh, brought up to my attention. I would have to go back and take a look. Okay. I, I thought there was a block there, but, but at the same time, uh, the official was right there and looking straight at it and was mm -hmm. like, no, it could have been from the side. And Cody said the same thing. He was standing on the sideline on that sideline right there. And he, He's like, well, you know, it's one of those that was kind of questioned. So, and, and can we can we mention something else sure. about this? And let's credit the officials. I thought the officials allowed both teams to play, and it was just a very nice. Just the flow of the game was good. It was good to be a part of, and you know, I I think you know you look at a lot of plays and uh, just. The, the 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 different concepts, all the moving parts. You know, you can call a flag on just about a lot of a lot of different things. But I think the referees they never got in the way. Uh, they allowed both opponents to just get after it. Week one, they kept their flags in their in their uh, pants, and I I, I got to give credit to them. And I thought again, one of the um, calls that was highlighted of the, of the night was the negating penalties with the offsides and the intentional grounding, and it was the right call. It was the right call that they made. So. I know they get a lot of brunt officiating, and uh, I'll take I'll just take a quick moment to say I thought they did a very good job, really good job. Absolutely, uh, four penalty four penalties for the Cajuns, and uh, eight penalties for uh, uh, Southeastern. But you know I, that was something I looked at when I was uh, doing my Sun Belt Conference review with Danny Reed earlier today. Southern Miss had ten penalties. South Alabama had ten. Texas State had 10, Georgia State 8. And again, sometimes it's not the penalty or how many, it's when it happens. And I, I agree right. with you. I, I, it was something you don't notice until it's pointed out that the referees mm -hmm. weren't involved in the game. And I agree with right. you. So, right. And, and, and a lot of those penalties were false starts or offsides or, or delay of games. And, and that's, you know, those aren't subjective. You know, everyone can see when that happens and you got to call it. I'm talking about more of the moving parts in between whistle to whistle where they didn't call a whole lot of. And I thought that was good to see. It, it just really helped the flow of the game. And it was much more fun to watch. Absolutely. Well, before we go uh, into our, well, actually, but while we go into our final segment, we're going to bring Mr. Art here, not Arthur Fonzarelli back in. Art has a couple of questions for, or a question, maybe a couple. We'll maybe, see. Maybe just one. Okay. No, you know, you know, you hear when, when we play a team that is from a lower division, we always hear, you know, are the Cajuns going to play down to the competition? Uh, obviously, it was something that I thought about, but I don't think that was the case here. I, I think they, they knew the potential. They knew that uh, if, if certain mistakes were made, that uh, they could lose this game. Uh, because Southeastern is, you know, they're going to finish in the top or in the top part of their conference, and uh, maybe for a championship. But uh, what do you think? Do you think they played uh, down to their competition, or they they knew exactly what they were getting into? 
Well, I, I think I think games like this are funny in a way because it's it's almost like a high school rivalry where you kind of grow up with a lot of the guys and you know them across the line of scrimmage, across the football field. You you you've watched them grow. Uh, you you for some of these people, you know, you kind of went through prep ball with. So there's a lot of personal. Um, there's a lot of personal. I, I guess aggressiveness uh, that can come with, with games like this, where you have a lot of local kids on the other side. Now, also, I think, you know, with all the question marks that Louisiana had coming in, uh, you didn't expect them to blow anybody out, no matter who the opponent was, you know, it's, it's, it's a brand new regime, new coaching staff, um, a new, mostly new personnel on one on several units of the football team, important units that is, uh, mostly speaking, offensive line. Uh, Southeastern, we knew how successful they were on the offensive side of the football. You know, regardless of the fact that they did lose key players on that side of the football a year ago, but you know they're coming off a season where they had a lot of success, and that stuff, something like that is very contagious going into the offseason. They were feeling themselves coming in. They wanted to play the mighty cages, and not to forget when you have when you are now sitting atop a record by yourself, and that is thirteen straight wins, um, the number one coming in uh, to this season. You know that puts a target on your back, and everybody wants to be that team that just knocks off the giant. You know, and I say, you know, whether or not you call Louisiana a giant, you know, they're a little giant. You know, 13, well, now it's 14, but at the time, 13, 13 wins that regardless of who you play in Division One football, that's impressive. I mean, that's a lot to speak for. And I think that target is going to remain on the backs of these players because everyone's going to want to be a part of history and say, you know, for the rest of the rest of their lives, you know, we knocked off a team that won 14 games in a row, that not, that won 15, that won 16, that won 17. How far it goes, we'll see. But for that reason alone, you know, in all and the other facets that I uh, that I brought uh, before mentioning that one, um, you know, it's going to be tough. It's never going to get easy. It's only going to get tougher. No, and, and it's true because just like that is locker room material for our opponent, it's, it's also going to be locker room material for us as well. Uh, you, you know Mike's talking about that. You know, like, let's, let's keep this thing going. Uh, but on, fine, on a final note, I, you know, I remember that Nichols game last year. You know, I was – I'm like, we're going to lose this thing. We keep messing around with this thing. We're going to lose this thing. But I never felt that way about Southeastern. I, I thought we had it in control. And I, and I thought that I think the guys, their, their mindset was in the right frame of mind. So, yeah, I agree. Chris, do you think sometimes, though, that we as as fans that we remember last year, game 11, game 12, game 13, you know, the games that we dominated against App State and we're we're forgetting that the Cajuns did play a very tough game against Nichols last. Yeah, we won 13 in a row coming into it. Let's not forget that at the beginning of the season, we weren't the same team we were at the end of the season. No, there's no question. And I think that's what gives a lot of hope for this season this year, uh, for, for this team this year, is, you know, you look back a year ago, you rewind the clocks, and it wasn't very good against Texas offensively. I thought defensively they played very well. It, it just it came down to so many crucial third downs where Texas was, was able to convert. But I still thought defensively they held their own. 
offensively, we just we just kind of shit the bed. You know, nothing was – we weren't able to get anything going. It, just nothing sustainable. And uh, you saw a little bit of that um, last week against, uh, against Southeastern. It, but that also carried on to Nichols uh, a week later, a season ago. And, you know, Levi Lewis is one of the most schizophrenic quarterbacks you've ever seen. You know, one week, you know, he's got everybody talking about whether or not we should see Chandler Fields. And then he just throws a dime against Appalachia State in the middle of the week, uh, hitting receivers down the field, the crossing patterns, uh, down the sidelines, taking off with his legs when he needed to. And, and then you saw that program leader that he has become. Uh, same thing where, you know, he, then he, he'll kind of lay another dud against Arkansas State and he'll pick it right back up against um, – let's, let's just go to the bowl game against Marshall. So I don't know if we'll see a lot of that up and downs with our quarterback play, but what I, what I do know is we're going to have to rely on our defense early on, and I think we have the capability of doing that. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. But before we go, Art, one more time, tell them where you're located. Sure. South College Shopping Center, uh, right in the middle of Lafayette, corner of Johnson Street and South College. Uh, be there almost 60 years this coming February. And uh, again, I want to encourage our, our, our listeners out there to shop early this Christmas, whether it's with us or somebody else, because uh, we want to get all those special things for our friends. And uh, final note about this weekend, you know, the $14 ticket, I think that's legit. You know, uh, Save yourself some money. Go to the Cajun No Box Office. Get it there. You're not going to pay any fees and all that malarkey. Because, uh, uh, but yeah, it's fourteen dollars to come out and see uh, uh, history continue on. Absolutely. And one last time, what's the name of your store? Acadian Religious. AcadianReligious.com will get you to our website. Thank you, Art. Thanks, Chris. You've been listening. To We're talking tonight, Craig Malasaw with Art Garrett and. The man himself, the former Cajun, former color man, Chris Lano. Chris, thanks, and we'll talk again to you next weekend. Next week. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Y'all have a good one. All right. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it. Share it. Put it in your podcast. Broadcast it. Or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.